face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's by a mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Kids, just say no. Indeed. And this week we're talking about the latest episode of Lower Decks, Trusted Source, which led us to the Just Say No episode, Symbiosis, from TNG's first season. And Dr. Squee is a big fan. I'm excited to get to a second episode like that we're talking about. Well, there we go. we got something to look forward to. But you know what? Let, let's cover the new episode first, and then we can talk about how great Symbiosis is. <laughs> so, the penultimate episode, then, of Season 3, Trusted Source, and it's all about Project Swingby, which is Captain Freeman's new plan to go and revisit old planets where... They've been, they've done a mission. It's kind of like Second Contact, but doing it years after the fact. You see, great well, idea, and something we, people have commented on so many times about how they leave planets sort of like half sorted. But my only thing is, why are they always, why are they disappointed throughout this episode when they get a planet where it's all sorted? Because surely that's, hey, look, the Federation did a good job. We didn't just leave them stranded. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, one every now and then. It's basically our idea of following the Prime Directive was spot on. Look yep. at what a good decision it was, following the Prime Directive. And being a responsible group of uh, Federation citizens, we go and check up on them a few years later and check everything's going fine, which it usually is. Yeah. And, you know, if only they'd have had a project swing by after Space Seed, we might not have had all that trouble we can. I thought that, and there's even a couple of uh, fellows from that uh, particular film uh, here just to remind us There are, indeed, yeah. And he even gets oh, his name mentioned in this episode. Say again? And he even gets his name in the credits. There you go, you see? So, yeah, the we've got Project Swing by. I mean, I, I think the reason they're not happy or Freeman's not happy is because she didn't get to do anything yeah but it yeah. it does show that the initiative works and is a good idea like I, I can't well, see how it would reflect reflect negatively because it I think the point is that it's cost of got um, the reporter there hmm but I mean I get um, Freeman wanting to, it to be more action packed so they've got more to do but the Admiral should be going brilliant reporter see how great this is look the yeah exactly it, it, it should be crowing on you this. don't want to go and have a reporter there going oh they went to this planet and now they're all murdering each other because yeah, of what so Captain went, Picard did yeah 17 years ago they decided to just leave them and look at the state of it now yeah it's and yeah. you know what it, it's Lower Decks' fault, because when I first watched Lower Decks and knew it was a kind of more comedic take on Star Trek through the animated form, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to, to follow every logic path or everything, but they have pretty mm -hmm. damn flawlessly through most of them. Like, you know, to get all the references in, they have to kind of thread the needle pretty finely to make everything work, and they always do. This is the first time where I've gone, no, this doesn't make any logical sense. <laughs> but three seasons in isn't too bad for Star Trek, because usually the first couple of seasons is where you find the real big logic problems. 
Yeah, find that's out true. I mean, I do think there's a couple of other things in this episode that are a little bit out, more out of character than not making sense. But you know, we'll get there. I yeah. like how when they first start talking about it, they are quite dismissive of what Picard did. They're like, "Oh, can you believe that he just like got him cold turkey and then left him?" And and it's like, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah but see, it's that that it, they've it, they've been left for seventeen years till someone's gone to check that they're actually okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, this is interesting that we get a definitive actual time scale here. Now we can actually put lower decks exactly where it fits after Voyager and everything. Yeah, true. Because yeah. we know Symbiosis is just about one year into Picard on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Then we have another six years. Then we've got five years after that of DS9. And another, is it another four years of, another three years of Voyager after that? Yes, I think. Something like that. Yeah, so I mean, we get, like we only two or three years after actually Voyager got home, we now, mm-hmm. uh, which means lower decks started literally where we last saw this period of time. Of yeah. Voyager getting home, <laughs> and also I think the thing is that uh, as we'll find out when we go on Symbiosis, they didn't really follow the Prime Directive in the episode, and I've got a good like reason why. Mm. Which I don't know if you guys felt the same, <clears> but I think their initial understanding of the Prime Directive in the episode was flawed. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get on to it. You're yeah. just so dying to talk about symbiosis, you like. I'm sorry, I'm just, I, I don't know. It was so bad, it was fucking glorious. I hmm? love this episode for how bad it is. I want to watch it again already. Well, knock yourself oh, out. In, about, in a couple of weeks, we get to do an hour of talking about bad episodes. Yeah, I'll be like, everyone shut up. Right, I'm just going to do an hour on symbiosis now. <laughs> I'm sure you could do, yeah. Um... So, Freeman, and this is one of the things I think is a bit weird. Like, we know she's a bit embarrassed by Mariner and everything, and they've got this thing where she's like, no, no, lights out, lights out. But I do think as this episode goes on, she's even more critical and quick to jump to conclusions than we've seen her. Now, I have a theory on this. Oh, go on, because I have as well, so I'm interested. Like, it makes me jumping towards the end of the episode when... Mariner's actually left Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And I think she's doing a Tom Paris card. You know, Tom Paris from um, Investigations, Picard yeah, yeah. and Gambit. I think there's something of that going on. Ooh, maybe. And that's why Freeman's been even more than normal. She's, like, making sure everyone's aware. You see, I, I, I would actually love it if that was the case, because there were so many times when... It really annoyed me when uh, Mariner was talking and she could have easily gone. It's like, uh, no, it was really nice. Like she had plenty of time to explain it within her answers. But every time she answered in an obscure way, which like I hate when they do convenient writing. It's like Mm. so they don't say the obvious thing, which would clear everything up. It just like you've got to have good reasons why the person gets that misunderstanding for it. to. Yeah, it's just it's not. I can't remember what the exact term is, but it's something like false drama or manufactured drama yeah, or something I mean, and it's it's really good at doing fast it's it, it's when a, a conflict between two characters could be resolved by them just talking to each other 
and yeah. the writing goes out of its way to prevent it or to for- forge the misunderstandings and it is really artificial when it happens which yeah. is why I think that's this the thing I got like... through this because if you um, if you watch old episodes of Frasier they're really good at doing these really absurd farce but you watch it and try and find where they forced the dialogue they've always had a good reason why I mean there was a couple of moments but generally they were really mm-hmm. good at it and just sticks out like a sore thumb, like in this episode when she purposefully answers in a way which doesn't clear it up. It just bugged me. So I would love it if it's Elliot's explanation. But what was your theory, yeah, James? But that, that, that's what would make sense to me. And I, I, like, there's obviously more, more gone on here than what the story actually is that they're just doing the uh, Project Swing back. Because why is the same Admiral got the Texas class ready to go? In that, in that area and all sorts. Well, I think that is that the Admiral approved this mission because he knew that the Breen had occupied that planet so he could show off his Texas class while there's a reporter there. So I, yeah. I think all of that, but I don't necessarily think Freeman's complicit in that side of it. No, I thought it was... The possible explanation for Freeman being the way she is is coming just from a character place because if you look throughout the season since she got released from prison, did the trial and everything, she's shown this pattern of getting more and more stressed, like the whole stress episode where she lost it with the engineers. And I do wonder if this is just, you know, it's almost like Freeman having some sort of emotional breakdown and it's going to finish with her saying, you know, I'm sorry, I took it all out on you and, you know, you're the person who's always there for me, my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And I, even if that is the case, I'm not sure it makes up for how sort of ham-fisted it is here. But that you was... See, I think oh, Elliot's yeah. is the best. That would be the... Yeah, I mean, that would be perfect. And and the thing is, when I ask questions of, like, that, why does that make sense? If the writers have got a good reason, they pl- I love that. I love it when they almost mm-hmm. trick you into going, it's like, oh, that was a load of rubbish. And then they explain, it's like one of my favorite examples was in Doctor Who when they have Robin Hood. And Robin Hood says to uh, the Doctor, it's like, well, I'm as real as you are. It was mm-hmm. like a big but glorious fuck you to the viewers in a yeah. nice way. I feel yeah. like it was like, well, if you're going to fucking believe in the Doctor, you can believe in Robin Hood. It's like, you're right. I haven't got an argument for that. It was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I just want them to have that similar fuck you to me back. Another really good one from Doctor was in Matt Smith's first series when there was a scene where it looked like he was wearing the wrong outfit. And everyone on the internet went mad and went, it's a it's continuity yeah, error. And then at the end of the season, it turned out it had been planned and it was timey-wimey yeah. explanation, obviously. Uh, uh, the, that, the Weeping Angel two-parter, I believe that episode was in Blood and Stone. I forget there you what go. the But yeah, that was so clever. And th- that is a perfect example of when the writers do have it sussed out and they do pull the rug, but you're like, yep, well done, you got me. Yeah. And while we're ranting, we're on the subject of this manufactured conflict or whatever the correct term is. The worst culprit for it was the X-Files where you'd have Mulder had finally catch someone who knows all the answers and he's got a gun and he can just put a gun to his head and the guy will go, oh no, I need to drive you somewhere so I can show you it and it's a three hour drive. And you're like, why are you not just grilling him for the whole of this three hour drive? He said he's happy to tell you the answers. He just wants to take you somewhere. Like, what are you playing at? Anyway, that's that's by the by. 
Um, we'll, so, we'll cover that in refiling our re- yeah. X-Files watchback. So the pie-eating contest gets cancelled. Rutherford isn't happy about He's this. not, is he? He's like, stun me. <laughs> we would be the three people at the kind of like repli- like industrial-sized replicator going, it's like, don't waste the pies then. <laughs> yeah, that is bad that they've got to get rid of the pies. And it, the way the guy's like, you know I can't do it. <laughs> no, it's oh, brilliant. Sorry, I, I, I love the fact that Picard in one episode says, it's like, uh, oh, don't worry. Uh, don't worry, the ship will clean itself. And like, I, I like the fact that this is the Cerritos is the um, uh, Californian class, so so they have to do a little bit. Yeah, of they have themselves. to do it themselves. Like, yeah, got a deluxe one which just you know sucks everything up into the replicator. Yeah, and then the whole thing where Mariner wants to go talk to them, and she's like, "Oh, everyone's just pretending. I'm going to tell them like it is." And that really, really reminds me of like when I was a teacher and we'd get an Ofsted inspection and the ridiculous things that the schools would do for one day when Ofsted are coming in and try and make it look like that's what the school's like all the time. Oh, like, oh. I remember at the high school I went to, I went, you know, the one I attended as a student, not as a teacher, but they put loads of African artwork up on the walls and I'm like, what we've not what what's this? I was locked in the store cupboard looking after the bee with Homer Simpson. Mm. When I worked for McDonald's, they had an annual inspection. And every day you had strict labour targets that you had to stick to. Yeah. And this one well, for the week before for extra cleaning. The bus labour. Then on this day, you'd have twice as many people in as normal. Yeah. Just to pass these these things. And it's like, this is a thing to see if we can do our jobs properly, normally. If we have to have these many people in to pass the audit, then there's something wrong with normal practices. Yeah, exactly. Like with the offset thing. If you have to thing... do all this extra to pass an audit, then there's something wrong with the system. You can't work like this every other day. Absolutely. Like, uh, what they used to do with the Ofsted one is they'd go, right, we've got a special field trip. And they'd invite, they'd tell all the bad lads that they were going on this field trip. So they'd basically just get all the troublemakers in the school and ship them off to do something for a day. (laughs) And it... Uh, but then the good kids are really pissed off because they're like, well, why do they get a day out? Because a day out, we've, we've been good and we've got to stay in Yeah, school. they're the ones that you don't want Ofsted to see. But anyway. Except for the one kiss-up who was like the head prefect who'd go and like, take, oh, I know, I'll take the Ofsted people around if you want, miss. Oh, oh yeah, Lord, yeah. What you used to find with these McDonald's audits is you'd have a crew who'd be work, having worked overnight, extra crew, to get everything ready in the store for the audit, making sure everything's spick and span and touching up paint and all sorts. But they, they'd be working too late to work for the actual audit, so they'd be scheduled in that evening. Then everyone who was in for the audit would go out on the piss to celebrate passing it. Mm. Well, they had to work. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to this week's uh, episode of Three Grumpy Old Men Talk Star Trek. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Mariner talks to the reporter um, and then when the reporter goes to talk to Freeman, it doesn't go well and she reels off 
a list of all these things that have gone badly, like your your security chief got turned into a puppet and your first officer turned like, into a giant head. Now and then she goes, these things happen to every other ship. Yeah. <laughs> this is normal. <laughs> Well, it was when they showed the um, the clips to begin with that when you know you don't see them slagging her off when you just see them talking generally. Mm. And you go, I, I just love that little highlight reel. And right at the end, you've got like um, um, the first officer um, ransom. You have to say ransom. He's there going it's like, and what are you doing after this? It's like, okay, this is over. We're done. Mm. <laughs> I, I liked where where she where the dolphins are there. This is the first ship that we've had uh, unlimited fish on. Yeah. And when we're not drawing stellar maps, all we do have to do is party. <laughs> yeah. I like the, the dolphins. dolphins. Some of my favourite characters. Yeah, <laughs> they're getting a bit of character development. It's nice. Yeah. They've become the Norman uh, Cliff of, in Cheers yeah. of um, Star Trek. And, yeah, the the main plot then, the Anarans are fine, but Admiral Buenamigo says go check out the other planet. Uh, well, they're fine now, but we find out they have that big tapestry, don't they? And, oh, this is when the Enterprise left, and then this is where we all killed each other for 14 years. This is where we went through hell for 10 or 14 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but now we're fine. Um and then, yeah, the, the other planet is the Breen. So it's nice to see the Breen back. The Breen were always a bit of an underdeveloped species, really. They were mentioned quite a few times, then they turned the, up once, and then all of a sudden it was, oh, they're actually really powerful, and the Dominion wants them. And... Yeah. It was nice what they did with um, Deep Space Nine. To it. It's kind of similar to what they did in um, in Enterprise. They got the... Uh, the Andorians, and I, I love it when they've just got a species which has always been mentioned and they flesh out. Oh, and in Strange New Worlds recently, you've got the Gorn, of course, have been mm. given so much to do, which fits so nicely with the original episode we've seen them in. So I kind of love it when they uh, take a, a less mentioned species and, and make them real badass. It's, it's going to be interesting if uh, the brain end up being sort of like the end of season baddies and like the main antagonist going into season four. Yeah. They do tend to do this. There's lower decks. You sort of get well, someone introduced, it, and then they'll bring them in slowly as a main baddie. What if the evil computers tie together everything which has happened in the series, like all the bad guys from the series, Ooh, and yeah. Peter Hamper and the uh, uh, Jeffrey Coombs one, they're working together orchestrating all of this? Well, they could be controlling the Texas class if it's completely automated. Oh, my God, that's perfect, yeah. Yeah, and that's so. why they don't continue with them. That's why we don't have them everywhere after this. Maybe. Well, we'll find well, out. We don't yeah. Know, we haven't seen them everywhere. We haven't okay. seen loads after this. If well, they haven't done exactly what we've any... said today, I, I think we've written a perfect season. There you go. You see, we've got it. Um, There's a another... Mariner. You've got Peanut Hamper and Jeffrey Coombs robot controlling the uh, the other ship. It's perfect. And then, yeah, the the other thing I thought was a bit out of character was. The way everyone turns on Mariner, including Jennifer, who's like, right, have the thing back. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. a bit harsh. I mean, you know, well, it was only a few weeks ago. Fre- you've got to assume that Freeman has told everyone that <clears throat> they've been slated in this press report because of Mariner. Mm. Well, yeah. And they. But, well, oh, I thought you were going to say that she let them in on the plan that you were talking about. If that's the case, then everyone's forgiven. It all makes sense. It's all fine. If, though, it is anything but that, if it is 
her just just turning on her because she heard a rumor that she said some nasty stuff whereas her true friend stuck by her if she goes back on the ship and she's back with her oh my god like yeah oh, no that's because like you know i know we've only seen sort of little vignettes of the relationship between them but it took mariner a long time to sort of open up and feel comfortable with her yeah. and then to have her all of a sudden being like this maybe she just is a bitch like when we were first introduced to her she was like presented as a bitch and then if you've got an episode where they're having basically a pajama party while everyone else goes to deep space now to me the fact she passed up going down to Deep Space Nine and yeah. instead stayed for that ship, which she had no interest in, and she ended up phasering her just when she said it was okay. And that's oh, it. it. They, they romantically phased each other a mere few weeks ago, and then now yeah. Jennifer's been all horrible. There's no need for it. What I say, unless there is an Elliot-style twist that he's explained already, then fuck you, That'd Jennifer. That would be good, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the twist makes the most sense. It, oh, it I definitely was. The sense of why it's pretty bad on a lot of people on this crew. Because it, it, it would mean, if, if that twist is the case, then it would mean that uh, pretty much, I, I think uh, Lower Deck's logic is pretty much flawless. This, this is the first episode where I've had mm. holes to pick in their kind of logic of it. Maybe it's that, let's tie it all together then. So maybe it's Freeman actually suspects that Admiral Buenemy goes up to something with this Texas class. And so she needs someone who's not on a Starfleet ship in order to be able to do it, and that's why they've gone. And it's Mariner that she trusts. And it's Mariner, Mariner that she trusts to Mariner do it. Mariner can pull off as being the person that she kicks off. Yeah. And to put everything into it, including what the um, rogue archaeologist, which uh, Mariner's gone off with herself, what she said. Maybe it's the bat aliens behind it. Oh, it could be, yeah. That'd be, you see, aliens? there we go. Yeah, the conspiracy aliens. Yeah. No, yeah. no decks, it's bat aliens. They were very clear on that. I this. know, they were very clear on that, you're right. Um, Shax, when the Breen are boarding the ship, Shax says, the Breen don't take prisoners. Except they totally do, because the first time we see them, Kira and Dukat are rescuing Zial from the Breen. So, mm. sorry, Shaq. Well, same thing is like Klingons are never taken prisoner. Unless it's convenient for the plot, then we'll say, no, but it's honourable if you think you've got it's a maybe one of those where never said before. It's maybe one of those where prisoners are never seen again when the brain takes them, so it's just assumed. Maybe, except Zial, who yeah. Shaq would know about because he's good mates with Kira. Mm. I think it's a bit of a slip. <laughs> James, you've never sounded so cold as when you said that, except for... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, again, like you were saying, though, like Lower Decks <laughs> is usually so tight and so good with all its references. No, no, I, I the... love it, James. I just need to drop a mic as you were saying it. That's all. Hey, it's the way I roll. Um, I'm very tired. We went to a concert Maybe last night. about when you're in the battle as opposed to when they're going in and hitting a, and pirating a ship because, like, I assume the... The Joran ship that took Zial from wasn't like a warship and all that. Okay, yeah. Well, so, it, the, so they've taken prisoners to work a mine there. I mean, yes. The, look, the easiest explanation is Shaq's just got it wrong. That works. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think we've more or less covered everything. Um, obviously, she goes off with the archaeologist. I didn't expect to see her back so soon. No. Um, but, obviously, she's going to play a big part in the finale next week. So Yeah, well, it, it's obviously, like, if she has gone off deliberately, 
she had someone to contact, which is quite handy. Yeah. Or maybe when Freeman and Mariner were sort of brainstorming the idea, Mariner said, oh, actually, I know this archaeologist and we could, I could contact her and... Yeah. Uh, I, there was one bit which I did um, notice. You know the reporter? Was it just me? Or did her outfit look like one of the ones that Leah Brahms wore? A little bit, yeah. Ran yeah, a bit. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that'll be deliberate as well, but... Yeah. So yeah, well, we're keeping trends in Federation fashion. Yeah. So yeah, it was. And it, it, it's one of them that we need to see where the other the other shoe lies, don't we? Before we can make a judgment, because it, if it is everything as it appears on the surface, there's some major sort of character issues with the episode. Which it, I, like. I think we've established now, we're nearly at the end of the third season of Lower Decks, mm-hmm. and we've quite well established that they're pretty good at writing and stringing yeah, a absolutely. story together, and stringing episodes together. Yeah, I mean, another thing I was going to say is, like, I didn't think this episode was particularly funny, but I think Lower Decks has got to that point now that when it just does a more or less straight episode... It's still really it's engaging still drama. And you don't notice yeah. till after that, oh, actually, I didn't laugh very much during that episode, but it doesn't matter because it's still been yeah. a great 25 minutes of Star Trek, you know. And I think that, that goes back to my point last week of it. I think the tone, they've hit so perfectly this season. When you get a less funny episode that's just straight up Star Trek, it's still fun. Mm, I think because they've got the tone of Star Trek, right? Yeah, like... like yeah. Lower Decks has definitely found its own place mm-hmm. and knows it's, it knows what it is and it's comfortable being what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was most the way for the first couple of series. I just think there was a couple of moments which just felt non-Star Trek to me in the first kind of couple, but I haven't seen a shred of non-Star Trek in this like, last series. Um, no, I'd agree. So, shall we talk about symbiosis then? Yep, let's go 17 years back in time. Yeah, exactly 17 years. Just say no, no, just say no. So, Dr. Squeak, kind of deep... Would this still be during the Reagan administration, 1987? Ooh. It's on that Bush, uh, so very much the same idea. Yeah. Um, well, let's fall on it even years, so it'll, it'll have gone out in 88, and it was Nancy Reagan who was pushing and just saying no. So, yeah, uh, Bush did a lot to reverse that uh, kind of <laughs> program, shall we say. Yes, it yeah, is very much a, a message episode, isn't it, this one? And spoilers, if you didn't get the message, the message is drugs are bad. Just I'm in bad. case. I just don't how inconsistent mm-hmm. it is as well, even with what they're saying about drugs. It, like, it doesn't... Like, at the beginning, they are just so kind of like hippie stoners... Mm. And then they do without the drugs, they do the withdrawals. And then they have the drugs again. Instead of making the hippie stomachs again, they're just normal. That's just normal mode after that. Maybe, the, maybe they're just really slow release drugs. Uh, yeah. You know, to get you stoned, it takes a lot longer. There you go. It's all that I am. But, yeah, one thing we, we talked about in our chat group before this was that People complain about how Star Trek now is too on the nose and too in your face. (laughs) 
Um, and I'm not saying I completely agree with that. I think it has its moments where it's like that, as many TV shows do. But I do think that argument is in bad faith for the most part. I, I just, However, can't... if you're going to levy that complaint as though Star Trek has never done that in the past, this is exhibit A against that argument. <laughs> There's some episodes, as we've discussed before, which are just pretty much fucking unwatchable. And we've watched them for you good people who are we watching have indeed. We watch them and we tell do. you all about them so you don't have to watch them. But exactly. go back and watch however, them because they're good fun in the end. However, this one I will happily sit anyone down in front of for a good fucking laugh this is so fun like it's so bad it's just hilarious mm-hmm. i love this episode there's now. so many <laughs> bad things. All about it and i love it now like e- even before we get to the part where they meet the inarans and the brachians where the mission the actual mission to be in this solar system is the watching solar flares on the on this sun mm-hmm. and it's oh, really yeah. pushing this the shields and Troy tells the captain and you can feel the stress levels on the ship going up because like you can see all the consoles have got electric shocks coming off them and everything so the captain's there he's got this lovely view of the solar storms and he got and he gets on the counter and the other thousand people on the ship who can't see this who are getting <laughs> electrocuted from everything the touching goes I know you're a bit stressed and it's a bit trying, but don't worry, we're getting a lovely view. Yes. <laughs> you also, also, even the, even the electricity doesn't make any sense because... No. Firstly, actually, firstly, I'm just going to throw in, I love the fact that any time they don't want to give away the mystery too early, it's like, oh, yes, but the sound of theirs could be throwing us off on this. You know, they just throw that in just like fucking salt in a uh, yeah. recipe. You know, they're just, just a bit more, just a bit more in there. Uh, And and they've got this, uh, when the electricity is hitting the panels, you see Wesley's first of all, where his panel goes off in some points and goes on, you've got the electricity dancing in front of it. Then every other panel they go to, they're like, oh, fuck it, let's just put the electricity kind of like effect on top of the panel. We won't be switching it off again. It's like it's only Wesley's uh, that that does. Speaking of effects as well, like there's the bit where they go, oh, it's too bright. And they go, oh, uh, block out the corona. And you think, oh, the tint's going to change and they'll have some advanced filters that'll just filter it out so it's not hurtful, but you can still look at it. No, we get a big black dot that appears on the view screen. (laughs) And the best bit about it is it doesn't line up immediately. It just appears. (laughs) And then they have to move it to cover the corona. And that may have been impressive technology in the 80s, but you just watch it now and you're like, look, I, I can double tap my screen on my phone and it'll block out the, you know. Also, I mean, Jesus, I was like, yeah, for a second before I realised what they were talking about, I was going, shit, you're dealing oh, with Corona God. as well. We just had that a couple of years ago. Oh, not that one. Okay. Got a palm bot. Yeah, we, we hey, there you go. We've made it. We've got a palm bot trying to trying to sell us things on our live stream. So we will not be advertising you, um, but I'll I'll check it out later in my own time. <laughs> um, so I mean, they put it four times as well. We can read it once, palm bot. Thank you. There you go. Exactly. Um, yes. So then we get to the people on the ship, and it's just like, oh great, yeah, oh. Oh, can you help us? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, and their, their stoner mantra is just great to everything. Or if it's something that, that they don't understand, it's like, we know how to do that, man. Yeah. Oh, we'll do it. Oh, great. But but can you just we've do this? A, we've got a we don't know how to do that, man. Okay, we'll sort that out for you as well. Okay, great. And also, how patronizing was everyone on the bridge? Like, okay, I know they were being super unhelpful, but how do we know that they've all got the same coupling things as we did? Like, exactly, yeah. yeah. I suppose the they universal translator translates it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was just the looks they were giving each other, like, can you believe these groups? I mean, for fuck's sake, and, Federation's meant to be understanding. And there is, a, like, there is an argument to be made, like... When I'm talking to my father-in-law about the car, he'll go, oh, well, you just need to change the so-and-so and the Ujima flip and you need to recalibrate. It's like, I do not know what any of these things mean. I can drive a car, arguably, um, but <laughs> but that's it. I don't know how it works. I know I put the key in and I turn it on and it works. It, so there is this an argument to be made that maybe the captain of this ship doesn't know how it works. He just happens to be a good captain. But you would this think the engineer I... would know. Whenever they say that the, um, like, oh, uh, you know, people who are coming here must be super intelligent. How do we know they just haven't got a hitmobile and they just pulled up to the planet? Like, we assume they made the technology. It could just be someone on a day trip who went off course. Could have bought it off a Ferengi. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Could be like, you know, like yeah, the, the engines work. They like, just press the buttons and it goes. Like maybe it's it's rigged to be simple to, to fly. Like these remind like these would be for the first time we see uh, the packlets, but they very much remind me. They of the are, yeah. That we don't we have this, but we don't know how it works. Make us go. Can you make us strong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you uh, see uh, that that implies yeah. something quite frightening that the. When they were, like, brainstorming ideas for season two, they went, oh, do you remember Symbiosis, where we had them really <laughs> thick aliens? Should we do that again? Except for this time, they're stoned. Yes, I, I am aware of that, uh, <laughs> that they may have done that. Yeah, like, uh, you, you know what episode we should... <laughs> I think we can have another crack at that. We, we can probably and do that better. As well, you'd think... Like half the writers in the 80s, let's face, they were all on coke. They should have known better about the reaction. And it's almost like they've kind of mixed up every drug reaction. So here you've got the stoners at the beginning. Then you've got withdrawal like they're, they're coming off heroin or something. Mm -hmm. And then they've got the leveling out like, I don't know what drug causes that like that. So instantly, I know it does give an instant relief, but they just seem fine. Absolutely fine within three seconds. I don't know that there's a drug which does exactly like that, but I, I, I'm... Maybe an experience here. Well, oh. like that is explained that like you've got the Barakians, is it? Who make the drug? Yeah. That they've spent the last two hundred years, their entire industry has been on refining this drug and making it more potent and smaller amounts needed, and mm. so it does make sense that they've got it to this level, Elliot. I, I'm so thankful you've, you've made this point because it's the same problem as I've got with um, Suru's um, species, the Kelpians. Oh, yeah. The idea that they lose their threat ganger has exactly this time frame and it all happens in the same week for the everyone and they just fall out. Like, not one of them has ever been uh, stuck somewhere, so they fall out and they come yeah. back the same. Mm -hmm. One of them's ever, you know what, 
I'm not going to commit suicide. I'm just going to try what see what happens. Like, fuck around and find out. You know, not one of them. And it's the same thing here. Not one of them at one point was somehow isolated so they didn't get their drugs sometime. It... Yeah, I mean, that even happened to the Jem'Hadar. Exactly. Like, yeah, the, the, like, the Kelpians, fair, like, fair. I, I thought it was the Kelpians, it was a new thing, but this was way back in the 80s they had this. Like, and they're still fair, the, the, there was actually a plague that did hit both planets. And the Felicium was actually the cure yes. for the plague. Yeah, but yeah. The no, but I'm saying realized it was it also a narcotic drug and stopped taking it. But no, at no. the same time, they peddled it stronger and stronger versions to the Anorans. I'm just saying, it's like the, the you've got two points here. One is accidentally not being in position to take it because you were trapped somewhere, which which happens. Uh, and the second one is yeah. I mean, on our planet alone, the amount of anti-vaxxers you've got. You know, you've got one person who was like, oh, no, I don't believe this is necessary. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. That maybe there is, and they just shun them from society as as, as we shun anti-vaxxers. So. Well, but you do have that, like, in Lower Decks, like, they've said that they had 10 to 14 years of nightmares and... And it was hell for them. Yeah. The psychotic rates on the come down. So has anybody been isolated from not being able to get the drug for 10 years? Uh, maybe that you see over this time. I think a lot of what we've identified as inconsistencies, if we're being extremely generous, we can say as a result of the tinkering they've done with the drug because they're like, right. We want it to make them feel nice so they enjoy having it in the system. So let's make it so it makes you like a hippie. If you've not had it, we want you to feel really bad. So we need a really bad come down off it. Yeah. And then we don't. We want everyone, if they do accidentally come off of it, to need to go back on. So let's make it so it takes 14 years to work its way out of your system. So... It's not I, outside I the bounds of believability. Uh, but yeah, sure. <laughs> it's possible. All it it's takes possible. is one time throughout the evolution of the drug for someone to not have it for enough time. And that would have happened quite early. But if enough someone time is 14 years, but that's in, in a 200-year well, time. What you got to is that the planet was addicted to it but for fight, uh, fighting a plague. So yeah, they actually yeah, no, had to start taking the drug and get into into all this with it. That more makes my point, though, because, like, surely in a war, there's more situations where you can end up isolated and mm -hmm, without true. resources such as this drug. Well, they were in a war, they just had a plague. No, no, okay, during plague times when everyone yeah. is... Uh, okay, during times of panic, sorry, not war. Yeah. But I'm just saying, during this time, it would be even more likely... What, you trying to say that during the plague, people just uh, isolate... Yeah, maybe that would say it. Maybe, maybe they, they were like, right, don't tell anyone to self-isolate because we need, you know, yeah. we, we don't want any of you coming <laughs> off of it. No, um, no, no, purposely. I'm just, uh, so I, let, I, let's talk about our guest stars then because we've got David Marcus and we've got Joe Chim from The Motion Picture and I have no issue with... We've also got, um, what's his name who played Cap in... Uh, can't start first officer. Yeah, that's Joachim. Yeah, it's not the motion picture. The both from uh, sorry, Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Um, so I'm all for Star Trek reusing actors, and these two are very good. But 
give him a bit more alien makeup because these these two gentlemen <laughs> both have very distinct looks. You could pick them out of a crowd, and they've it's not even only tried. Five years after the Wolf of Cardinals, this yeah. Yeah, Wrath of Khan's just happened. And what were the chances that they pair them up against each other, which seems like, oh, no, no, you're against each other quite famously. Maybe we don't put you in the same episode. Yeah. Or, yeah, like you say, it's disguising a bit. But what were the chances that one of them would end up, the guy, like Marcus was the good guy, and he's kind of on the good guy side here. And the drug pushers, the bad guy, yeah, one the second bad guy from Wrath of Khan. But to be fair, Phil, this, the drug pushers are the ones that come off air quite as the nice ones and not threatening and... So yeah. like, oh, we realise that they're suffering and we're going to give them give them it. And... Eventually, though, they, they have to come yeah, as a first. I, they're I, like, you're not having this. I very quickly got that kind of feeling of, like, uh, very 80s drug push, like executives who maybe had, like, uh, coke they were trying to sell off to, to um, you know, uh, people who were, like, you know, you got a feeling that the uh, people who are drug addicted came off like uh, kids on the street who were addicted to drugs. That was the other thing. It's like, it's a whole planet of people. Yeah. They just reduced down to like upper class, lower class. It's almost like they're trying to do a really blunt message. And so they're just presenting extreme stereotypes to do it. What? On old Trek, on not and not new Trek did this. Well, Are you sure? I mean, it may I'm not. I'm sure have... I've seen a number of commentators on YouTube saying how what new Trek is, and this never happened in old Trek. Well, we must be wrong. We must be misreading this episode. <laughs> it's it's far more subtle than we're giving it credit for. <laughs> also, like, does this count as mid Trek now? Because we had old Trek's got to be the original series. That was yeah, quite a true. Before next generation, yeah. I think we're in mid. We're in the um, uh, the Silver Age of Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, the Silver Age of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, the, I I was joking about subtlety, um, but I do <laughs> think there perhaps is another subtle commentary going on here that you almost have a bit of a discussion about the ethics of charging for medicine, which is very pertinent to America. Um, and possibly this country in the future if certain people get the way. But so I, I don't think it spends a lot of time with it because you know the you know we've got a serious message to get across here. We don't have a lot of time to engage with other things. But I think some of the conversations they have, particularly with Crusher, does dance around a little bit on this idea of well, is it ethical to charge for medicine? Answer: No, no, it's not. No. Um, but uh, you know what? That'd have been a more interesting story to tell, really. I, yeah, I mean that would have been great. But like, uh, I have got to also address the picture behind me right now, and that's of uh, for anyone listening on audio. Riker has got the uh, uh, David Marcus's hand on his chest, electrocuting him, which they already showed this ability earlier. I thought it was a very nice scene. They showed them being able to shock mm-hmm. each other. And Tasha, yeah, I'm. I'm not. Not saying I was turned on. I'm just saying I wasn't not turned on when she goes, "Gentlemen, please!" and <laughs> she put them right in their place. Um, I'd put them. I like, I like the conversation she had. I like the conversation she had with Riker just after that first time. We'll get to that in a second, then. But but then, like obviously, it felt like that was setting up to this moment. And you got basically he puts his hand on his chest, and Riker. I'm guessing in the first take, like, Frank says, like, ah, and they're going, no, 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 we're doing some dialogue. Well, what do I do then? 
I just looked a bit surprised and go <laughs> ch chuck yourself back with a kind of like really weird look on your face. That'll do it. So he just stands perfectly still on the go. I mean, it's just, just mind-bogglingly bad. And this is the reason I love this episode. Things like this are why I love this episode. Sorry, uh, Elliot, what were you saying about um, right I'd before? Say, gosh, you mentioned the first time we'd seen them electrocute each other. Uh, David and Cam's first officer. <laughs> and Tasha hits, what, hits them with a phaser. And all it does is move them apart. It doesn't actually stun them, which is quite amazing. Now, it doesn't stun them or anything. It just sort of pushes them apart. But then she has that conversation down the corridor with Riker, and she's going, "I fight. How did they? How have they got this ability? What is it? Do they need to recharge? How how can I combat it if it becomes an issue that mm. they attack someone? And it obviously did become an issue. And we didn't get any Riker. answers because yeah. she don't know what to do. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It sets up all these really interesting questions, which we will not answer. We're just we're just pointing out why no, I can't I do anything I when, this was when, a really when good he does it to Riker later. I thought this was a really good conversation between the security officer and the first officer, just walking down after they've seen something different with an alien species, and they're, and they're going, I've got to try and work out something here. How do I? And yeah. Because they're never examined by the doctor, they never find out how he actually works. Do, do you know, it's, it's like this episode all the way through. It's all about setting stuff up as if they're going to explain something, just to say they're not going to fucking bother themselves <laughs> doing the research to explain anything in this episode. Like, it's true. Easy, like, as I say, the whole thing about the electricity is just to set this up later. Yeah. The whole thing about so many point, like, you know, uh, at one stage, Crusher is talking about medical reasons why this might be happening. She goes, or it could just be the sensors throwing us off. Oh, so you're not going to... I know how the electricity works. And that's all they do throughout this whole episode. I know how, exactly how the electricity works. It's space magic. Hey, yeah. I was thinking it was strange energies, but I'm happy to go with space magic. Elliot, my friend, why didn't I not see this was your ideal episode? This is full of space magic. <laughs> So, if at this point in the episode, it, as we've said, it has been very subtle. So, if you've not quite got it, we now have a scene where Wesley and Tasha discuss it. And Tasha very clearly lays out what drugs are, how they work, why people do them, why that's wrong. I was just pleased to have one scene with Tasha. By the way, I'm not making light of the, the subject I'm about to talk about, but there are so many episodes in the first series where Tasha Yos goes, well, when I was on the planet with the rape gangs, and she mentions it like she's talking about some toast yeah. she had earlier. It's yeah. really that carefully. It's like, oh, yeah, with all the and rape gangs. The time they love throwing that in there. <laughs> Casually as hell, in a way which, in fact, I think is quite disrespectful to people who've been through such deals. Um, but, yeah, it's like, but instead she going, okay, not the rape gangs today. Let's talk about drugs instead. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like Wesley got lumbered with this quite a few times that because he's the young character, he's the one who has to have it explained to him. Um, so he's got to be like, oh, oh, ah. And like Will Wheaton got given a shorthand quite a few times, really, with this sort of Which stuff. Which is why he got such a drumming at one point. Yeah. In the American parlance, you feel like they would cut this bit out as an advert, and at the end they'd have yeah. the more you know. 
Yeah, did he have He-Man come out at the end and go, remember, the people of Anara were hooked on drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> well, obviously, Tasha is our He-Man. and um, She is, yeah. I guess Wesley's Orko? Yeah, I suppose Wesley's Orko in this sense, yeah. Um, and there is a couple of interesting bits where Crusher's like, well, look, I've got this thing, I can wean him off of it. And Picard's like, nope, Prime Directive. No, 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 no. Yeah, once... Like, once the Brachians agree to give him a dose, mm-hmm. Russia's able to actually scan it, and she goes, all it is is a narcotic. Yeah. And she oh, gives good even... delivery where she goes, they're drug addicts. Oh, and, and she, no, no, it wasn't any of the scans. She goes, well, some of the scans could have been thrown off by the anomaly. Did we mention that, by the way? However, uh, I know what withdrawals when I see them. She basically diagnosed it on the withdrawals, ignoring any, any bit of science which she could have used to... to some... hmm. In fact... They point out why the science wouldn't work in this situation or might not work because of the anomaly outside. Mm-hmm. And then she says she can see it just because by looking at them. It's just like, oh, nothing else in, in their behaviour was a sign prior to this. Yeah, the and sweating and, oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Hey, man, that's cool. Great. If you think uh, that's for the best. <laughs> can we also um, talk about the Prime Directive here? So, right. We can. We First can. Yeah. The Enterprise, straight up, is happy to involve themselves, being on board, the guys are on there, so there's that. So, like, already, Prime Directive, okay, might have been an emergency situation. Well, they've rescued rescue. them in an emergency. It doesn't apply in its wholest form because they're already on the ship. Then you've got the fact that um, while they're there, they do medical scans of them, which they could share with them, surely, because is it bringing the Prime Directive to share their own medical record with them when you've scanned them? I'd argue No. And then instead, the, the solution uh, Picard comes up with is like, yeah, they'll just go with, through withdrawals and probably tear the whole society apart. I can live with that, though. Problem solved. Like, I mean, okay, he does explain it at the end. He goes, oh, well, it was the best situation I had. It's like, no, just share the medical records with them. How ethical is it to withhold someone's medical records? Mm. Discuss. Like, like, Geordie comes out with an interesting one here, comment during this episode. And I thought, what's he actually on about whenever he watched it? And he goes, um, 200 years ago, a Daedalus class passed through this system and it scanned an hour and saw that they were on the brink of discovering space travel. So we look at that and you can say sort of late 50s, early 60s, that'd be Earth going, yeah? Yeah. We landed on the moon in 69 and now 50 years later, we think we might go back to the moon at last. <laughs> and he's going like they haven't they haven't developed much they didn't get any further much further what they've got ships that are going between a couple two planets <laughs> in a matter of days they've got transporter technology yeah they've done all right but, like they've actually come done quite well at one point they've been quite getting quite well on yeah. So what's he on about that didn't get any further on than just getting into space? And if we're going to throw out the fact that they've got these ships which are in uh, such a state of disrepair that only one system is going down reliably in all of them and the other planet who are reliant on selling them this drug don't go, yeah, we better research that then. Like, like you know, because obviously their science yeah. hasn't suffered because they've had a productive thing. But only the other planet who are loaded junkies have ships they don't have any or yeah, they don't have I think any the, I, I think the idea is that because 
the drug pusher planet has not had to develop their own technology. They just haven't. They've literally all. They've literally the entire technology has moved on to just no, producing that. this one plant and refining so the drug. It is the same. And they rely on get, getting everything from the other planet. No, no, I understand that. But I'm saying if they're that intelligent, they're not like um, portrayed as being dumb or anything. They don't think it's like, oh, well, two out of their three ships, the, uh, the same bit's gone. Maybe we should maybe look at something to prevent the third one from going, or, you know, developing technology mm. for the third one. Like, yeah. They don't even mention having uh, the technology. And if we rely on... Pretty dumb. Even if they put all their resources on one market, mm. and, surely if market rely on, and if we rely on thing. this other planet making everything else that we use for our society, and, but looking at them on this ship, it looks like they've got quite an ideal society. So they're relying on everything coming over. So you're right. They need these ships bringing everything in. Yeah. They should be, like, they should be trying to go, right, we can see there's a problem with your ships. Pack one up. We'll get out, because they've obviously got scientists, biochemists and all that, to do what the <coughs> refineries. So they've obviously got engineers and everything. Yeah. So they should be able to duplicate the technology. And the one thing we do know about this drug is it makes people productive. So maybe you just take a lock hit, you know. <laughs> oh, they the can get Oh, can you imagine? I know we know how it ends up now, but it, the rules could have reversed. And the other planet could have ended up being peddling them. Oh, it could have been a disaster. But no, Picard made the right call, as we find out 17 years later. Well, only half the right call. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if they weren't that worried about the Prime Directive, all I'm saying is as soon as they beamed on board, you knock them out to do medical treatment, then you put them somewhere far away from anything visually which gives away their technology. Like, if you really care about the Prime Directive, no, it's what about the ship. Discover all our technology, but we're not going to tell you about your own medical records because we're bastards, basically. Mm. Like, I just cannot think of a good reason not to share their own medical reasons. And it gives them an out of the Prime Directive because at that stage, they've already been on board the ship. They've already done these procedures. It is only right to tell them what they've discovered from that. Uh, it is well, so unethical not to give them medical let, records. Let's be honest any about the Prime Directive throughout all of Star Trek, and I'm going right back to the, through the original series as well when it was... Um, directive number one, but it has always been very rubber. Yeah, yeah. I think most of the time, I mean, like, I mean, certainly now they they sort of established it's like pre warp civilizations, <clears throat> and you know, you do, you know, you just don't let them know you exist. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe it is more rubber than I'm giving it kind of like credit. It for. was in I the early days. Yeah. Interpretation of this episode that I can remember. Yeah. Sorry, Jen. Uh, like, to be fair, I think it was very elastic in the original series. And yeah. Kirk regularly broke it, and I think in Next Gen, especially the first couple of seasons when Gene had a massive influence on it, it was trying to sort of follow very set rule rules and be very yeah. much Prime Directive working and not. Because we yeah. have this with no conflict between the crew and stuff. Which mm -hmm. is... But that also showed a difference in, in the uh, attitudes of the time. So the 60s were all about like, no, I'm just going to break the rules and get things done because I'm a captain. And yeah. that was very much in the swagger image of the... It was very the, much uh, not like rebelling, wasn't it? Get strange new worlds have kind of followed that model. But like by next generation time, it was all about the formality of like you follow the rules, like the <laughs> captain is yeah. removed. 
And in fact, actually, it was kind of weird. Something we haven't talked about is like this was uh, it was kind of weird to see first season Picard because he's the one who's so much different from who yeah. is in, in any other show in any other series. Um, but anyway, yeah, early series. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I, d- I just felt this was one of the like it wasn't even saying it was breaking the rules or bending them. It was saying there's a prime directive and to, to give them this information is breaking it, but to have them on board and everything else isn't. Yeah, you've already things, thrown like, caution to the wind, really. But and it shows the need for Operation Swing by seventeen years later as Picard goes, Well, we'll never know how it turns out. Well you could do. Yeah. You could check on yeah, them and see that you've not yeah. killed them all. Yeah, you could send a second contact ship to check on them in a in a yeah, year this, or so to I mean, make sure they're okay. Having that as a plot point in the kind of uh, sequel episode which we do That is so so many people have said over the years, like, what, so you never check back to see how they're doing? Mm-hmm. It's a bit irresponsible. Like, Star Trek 2 was all about that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, that was a neat thing they did in um, in Lodex with that. And one last thing to call out about this one that's in, in no way plot-related, but this was the last episode that Denise Crosby filmed. Um, and you can see her giving a little wave right in the last scene, which is very nice. So they couldn't cut it or they couldn't see it necessarily. Mm. No, the thing is that it, it's still in there because I've watched it again yeah. this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. So you can clearly see it. But um, through all the remastering, they've decided to leave that in. The fans know about it. And they've not touched it. Well, exactly. There's no point, is oh, yeah, there? I mean, I thought today. I meant I just like the fact that she went to right at the end of the frame, so that probably they wouldn't have seen it on the monster at the time. By the time they notice it, it's too late. They've run. Yeah. She's off the fucking show, so they're not going to get her to reshoot it. So I have no point about this episode. Like they know how to get away with it. I have Go one more little point. Go on, Elliot. Because we know production. It. We know how how the worst aired these episodes so the next episode is skin of evil mm-hmm. and we know it's where tasha dies and i'm and right at the end we find out who's to blame and it's geordie because Riker gives him the choice where should we go next and geordie goes let's go so and so's coordinates mm-hmm. or why there because we've never been there before and as a result of geordie Reichel allowing Johnny to make a decision at Nav, Tasha died. You're right. Yep, you are. Can't argue with that. Just the wonderful uh, Beverly Crusher uh, melodrama scene where she's going, oh no, because these people are dying and you can't let it happen, John Luke. It is uh, huge. It is just yeah. the, the There's another thing there. that's quite noticeable in this episode. And uh, it is something from the first season. There was no chief engineer. Yes, yeah. Really through the first season. But you have the the where the bee beaming them off when they're rescuing them from the other ship. It's Tasha and Riker that go to the transporter room. There's no one in there. Mm. There's no transporter chief who'd be really good with a transport when you've got all sorts of solar problems and all that. Yeah, you true. Somebody who's really good with all these things. It's left to Tasha to do it. Yeah, we've not decided what to do with Chief O'Brien yet, so... 
uh, just just such a wild ride of an episode. I genuinely, I just had so much fun for the worst like reasons. Yeah. If you're a writer, and what I can't but, understand is there's another point as well in this transport room when the beam aboard the medicine. They spend about five minutes talking about it. Bear in mind that when they beamed it on, they only had a minute and twenty to get them mm-hmm. off before it blew up when they started. So the fact the final lock on being the medicine aboard, they have to use their transporter pad and the enterprises mm-hmm. to be able to get a transporter lock because of the solar energies. Just a, a, enterprises on its own can't can't do a site to site transport, but it has no pop no problem doing a site to site transport internally. How's that work? Uh, Beam it to the cargo bay. Okay, no problem. Gone. Uh, what? Your transporters aren't working properly because it's solar flares. I, yeah, I got nothing. If I might put a button on this uh, retelling of this episode, I also love you. Can tell. Is this first series or second series? First, no. first season. First series. You I can thought tell so it's because season. they do. It's it, it's so obviously early days. Of course, it's because yeah. Sorry. So obviously early days because they do the button on the episode is like, uh, hey, you pick where we're going next, Jordy. How about over there? Why? Because we've never been there. Okay, check us out. It was so easy. I I quite like that. It feels like the way you end a pilot episode or a film. And it just, it was, I I loved it for how cheesy. Hey, it worked in Star Trek 6. Yeah, yeah. Same stuff for writing straight until morning. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that brings us to the end of Symbiosis then. So before we go, a few notes on what we're doing. Um, as we've alluded to, we are doing a live show at the Sci-Fi Weekender um, on the, I want to say, 10th or 11th of November. Um, it's probably sure. going to be the 12th, just to make me a liar. Um, which, which day of the week is it? Sorry, it is the 12th. It's the Saturday the 12th. Um, so if you go into the Sci-Fi Weekender, come and see us for that. Tell us what you think about when Trek goes wrong. As a result of that, our schedule's been thrown out a little bit. So we will be recording our usual live show um, a week tomorrow. So a week on Friday. It's Friday yeah, the 4th. A week on Friday, not a week tomorrow. Sorry. I'm confused. Oh, wait, yeah, I've thought it's, yeah, I've thought it's Thursday all day. No idea why. Yes, a week Wednesday. tomorrow, Friday the 4th of November, and we will be covering the finale of Lower Decks as well as the first two episodes of Prodigy. Yeah. So that's yeah. how we'll be handling it. Mm. Um, and, and it's uh, a Friday night, so we're going to have some drinks alongside it. I think this should be the drunkest uh, retail, like, especially if it's going long. We should get through like a... A six pack each. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can handle that. Yeah, sounds like a challenge. Maybe a bottle of wine or a bottle and a half of wine, but we'll see <laughs> how it goes. Yeah, in, in booze. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, all the usual places at RetrekPod on Twitter, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or come and join us on Facebook. Doctor Squee, what's the the Doctor Squee show got going on? Oh, it's just trying to get up your, all your banners in time. Oh, the uh, Doug Squee Show, which you can enjoy every Tuesday, 6 to 8, on sw20radio.co.uk, you say. Well, <laughs> on that fine show, um, uh, next week, I think, because we did 
this week because it was the last show before Halloween. I did the Ghost um, Hunters episode, mm-hmm. so I think next week we're going to give the counterpoint because genuinely the way this was scheduled and it wasn't passed, just the way it worked out. I had the Halloween episode, and then the next guy up because I had uh, what was the episode before, and this was a guy who brands himself as uh, um, oh god, I'm going to forget his name now. Something Marlo. Anyway, um, he's a science comedian. He's branded as so he's going. What was on before I go? Yeah, we're talking about ghosts, and now I'm talking to a science guy. So I thought I'd do the uh, equal just juxtaposition. So we're going to have uh, the science comedian Brian Mallow, of course. Uh, Sounds uh, good. So that's uh, Tuesday. Excellent. Well, cue up our outro music because my buttons are not working. And um, thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrek. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.